Father, we are so very thankful that we can gather today in this parking lot, God. We're thankful that we as believers can come together and be able to worship you, to give you glory, to give you honor, or that we do not have to live in fear, or that we have you as our commander-in-chief, that you are our director, that you have the Holy Spirit in our lives. Lord, I just ask you, Lord, that you bless people today. Lord, as we hear the words, we worship God. I pray, Holy Father, you just are here with us in the service, and that you speak to our hearts. And Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, as you know, this is going to be a little different for me. Michael preached up here last week. I preached here today. Uh, so we are excited that you guys are here. Uh, Michael told me I only have between 20 to 30 minutes uh, to preach. Uh, so I had two Red Bulls this morning to make sure we can get through the whole sermon in plenty of time. So I hope you guys are ready to go. But uh, I wanted to talk to you guys about some, some things this morning. That was, that's been on my heart, that's also been probably on your hearts as well. There's two purposes I want you to get from this sermon today. It's to know the greatest success is to accomplish God's purpose. And also to feel encouraged and energized to serve in the church and in our community. Now it's interesting, do you think a group of writings from a different part of the world, a different culture, language, from an agriculture economy dating almost 3,000 years ago, do you think those writings have any relevance for us today? Whether they talked about money, success, and priorities, would that be relevant in our situation? And I think here, as we look, that we have many people on furlough, many people being laid off, we have our whole economy in, in, in dismay. I, I think we can look, I want to see what God has to say about success, what the scriptures have to talk to us about it. The writings I'm talking about are in the Bible. They're called the Minor Prophets, Old Testament. We're going to specifically talk about the book Haggai. So if you don't know where that's at, get on your, your uh, Bible real quick, open it up, and turn to the book of Haggai. That's where we're going to be. This is where we're going to be exploring together during our, during our country's crisis. They aren't called Minor Prophets because they're not important but because they are smaller in comparison to the major prophets of Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. There are 12 of them, and we're going to look at Haggai today. Let me explain who the prophets are in ancient Israel, because there's nothing really like them today. We often think of the role of a prophet of foretelling the future or telling what God wants you to do. The main role was declaring God's word, God's truth to his people, and most common phrase in the prophets was, this is what the Lord says. They spoke for God, most often to his people. But also there was times that they spoke to the surrounding nations as a whole as well. Some of the prophets wrote down the messages they received from God. Those writings became part of the Bible. Others stood before rulers and generals and spoke the word of God. They delivered their messages. In both roles, the number one job of the prophet was to bring back the people to a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Or in other words, they trusted and pursued to bring people wholeheartedly back to the Lord. When they did tell the, the future, they warned people of the consequences of drifting from God and what would the results be. Or they would also encourage people on how drawing to God would fulfill His promise. 
As we look at the prophets, they fall into two main periods. The periods where Israel as a king had a king, and before nations was conquered, exiled by foreign powers, later appeared after exile, some of the Israelites returned to their land. One of the prophets from the later period, Haggai, where we're going to look at the whole book, basically in chapter 2, it gives us the idea of what success is and what is the definition of success. I don't know about you, but I know a lot of people are looking at their lives right now, wondering if they're successful, wondering where they are in life, if you've been laid off or you're having hardships, maybe you don't have enough money to pay your rent or your mortgage or, or your utilities. I want you to understand that God's success, the way he views success, and the way we view success is normally two different things. How do you measure success in your profession? As a student, as a parent, as an athlete or a musician? Is it about how many sales you make, how quickly you're promoted? Is it about the grades you get, or how quickly you run the race, the awards you receive? Haggai is addressing people of Israel when they weren't having much success. Things weren't going well for them, and they weren't sure why. Their money didn't go as far as they hoped. Their stock market, annual harvest or crops, wasn't producing in the ways that they thought they should be. There was still a pesky enemy all around them, life difficulties. Has that happened to you? Thoughts things were going to uh, turn, they thought things were going to turn into a certain, certain way, but it hadn't worked out for them, that worked out the way they hoped. Haggai says, and let me explain why, here's what God says about, about success. He gave them four messages over the course of four months, from late August to late December one year, from about 520 BC. Here's the scenario. The story revolves around God's temple in Jerusalem. Solomon built the first temple, a glorious place, represented God's presence among them. 400 years later, the temple was destroyed, the Babylonian Empire. All the leaders, many of the people, were removed from the land. There was a devastating blow to them. Now there's been a change of government. The Persians had taken over. The new rulers sent back to their homeland, where all the, and the temples and shrines destroyed the Babylonians had to be rebuilt. So a group of Israelites came back. Together they laid the foundations of a new temple. Now it's 15 years later and nothing has been done. The temple still remains in ruins. God sent Haggai to speak to the nation about building God's house. Let's connect dots here a bit because a physical temple isn't relevant anymore. All purposes of a temple were fulfilled by Jesus Christ. Now in the New Testament era, every Christian is, in God, is God's temple, as the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. So how do we apply Haggai's message to our lives? How is this message more than just a history lesson? First, whenever we take this book, it speaks about Israel. We will translate it into God's people belonging to him now. Second, when Haggai talks about the temple, let's talk about whatever God has given you to do for the work for him. With all that in mind, let's take a closer look at the principles of success. First of all, I want you to understand that this should not be new to you. My first point is don't be selfish. I have seen so many people on eBay, I'm sure you have too on the news about people buying toilet paper and people buying hand sanitizer and all this kind of stuff trying to hoard things for themselves and sell it to other people at a high price. 
My first point as a, as a Christian, Christian sermon here, is don't be selfish during this time. So the mission was to build God's house. Why wasn't this happening? It had slipped into the bottom of the people's to-do list. Haggai chapter 1, verse 2 and 4 says this. This is what the Lord of heaven army says. The people are saying, the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the Lord sent his messenger through the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxury houses while my house lies in ruins? People make excuses. It's not time to rebuild the temple. We all do that, don't we? We come up with reasons why we don't want to do what God says, and God puts a finger in the real issue. Don't miss the stern attitude of God here. They were prioritizing their own comfort, their own material well-being, ahead of what God had told them to do. Guilty of telling God, wait until I have everything I want, then I'll take care of you, God. There were obstacles, real ones. Opposition from people living when they were in exile. The economy wasn't performing as expected. But God says there's a reason why the economy is not that good. Haggai chapter 1, 9 and 10 says this, You hoped for rich harvests, but they were poor. And when you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. Why? Because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord of heavens, of armies, while all of you are busy building your own fine houses. They didn't have time. Resources for God priorities. But they had enough time to do what they wanted for themselves. They also built nice homes, but they never had enough. Experienced disappointed harvests after a disappointing harvest. It wasn't just bad luck. This was God's judgment upon Israel. This is a point where we rarely consider today. Could it be some of our economical problems are related to sins of our country? Absolutely. What causes the bank crisis and the mortgage crisis back in 2008? It was greed. It was people in America getting cheap loans and not spending money at a wise, wise perspective. Do you ever wonder why we are not succeeding despite all your work? It could be you're living in lack because your priorities, your desires. Why would God do that? God gets our attention through things that matter to us the most. The Israelites care a lot about their financial success. So crops fell where God was wanting to remind them. As his people, they needed to think about the priorities. And Haggai, if you take care of God's priorities, God will take care of you. The point is here, get moving on a mission. I want you to understand, first of all, that as I look around, I see these cars, I see the trucks, I, I want you to understand one key aspect, that you who are believers in the Lord Jesus, you are the church. You are the church, not the church building where we attend. You know, it's interesting, as you honk those horns, just a side note how my ADD kicks in. There are some manly horns out there, then there are some, some, some weaker horns too. So I just, it's kind of interesting, if you're a real man, give me a real honk in your horn. Put in there. Someone didn't have a manly horn, but they creeped in. That's okay. We're all right with that. Uh, but just, I, I just, I want you to understand that you are the church. That when we attend the church building, that is just a building that someday will be destroyed. But you are the church. 
And so we look at Haggai 1 8 says, Now go up into the hills, bring down timber, rebuild my house, then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. It's not just about the building and the projects. What really is at stake was the honoring of God. When we focus on things we want to exclusion of what God wants, that's dishonoring to Him. Saying, God, you are second best to me. You are not as important as myself. Everything we have comes from God. Our very life, our very breath, all that we possess, all the things that we enjoy comes from our Heavenly Father. So let me ask this question for you, which I've been asking myself this whole week and prior. Are we too busy pursuing our own priorities over God's priorities? Are you too busy to serve? Are you too busy to serve in the church? You feel like God is nudging you to serve, but you don't know how to do it. Or you keep saying, after I get this project done, after I finish remodeling my basement or remodeling the house, after soccer season finishes or track seasons, then I will serve God. Realistically, something else will always come up before you will serve God. Always be a temptation to not do what God has to do to, for you to work for Him. Perhaps today is the day to change your priorities. This is what God's people did. Haggai chapter 1 verse 12, when they heard the words of the prophet Haggai, whom the Lord their God has sent, the people feared the Lord. They started to take God seriously. They began to work on the house of the God, of God, and they started to succeed. How about you? Now that we are hopefully, eventually, not able, we're able to come back together, we're able to, to, to relax on the social distancing once the governor gives their, his decree. Maybe we as a church will realize how important it is for fellowship of brothers and sisters in Christ that we'll understand the importance of studying the scriptures and we important that we understand the importance of serving our God. Here's something I want. I don't want you to be discouraged during this time of our economical hardships, the time that our country is going through. I'm asking, why is God calling you? What is God calling you to do? Maybe this is the point you've said yes. Start serving in the church. Start serving your brothers and sisters. Start serving people of our community. But don't get discouraged. The experience has been all that you've hoped it would be, and it will be a wonderful experience when we serve. The kids don't seem to listen. At home, at work, wherever you are. Adults sometimes not, don't listen as well. You're not sure if anyone notices or cares how the building is, or maybe serving just to get a little bit routine. Discouragement arises because the effort doesn't seem that important. That's what happens to the Israelites. Seven weeks later, about mid-October, Haggai chapter 2, verse 3 says this. Does anyone remember this house, this temple, in its former splendor? How in comparison does it look to you? It must like look, see like nothing at all. The temple was smaller, less richer than the Solomon's temple. People are thinking, this isn't much. What's the point? Maybe you feel like that at times. Maybe someone else's small group is growing. Maybe other ministry teams are making a bigger impact than you see. <coughs> Excuse me. Maybe other people's churches are growing faster than our church, and we wonder why. God says, don't play the comparison game. Don't be discouraged on what other people have and what you have. God calls you to be obedient to our Heavenly Father. So Haggai chapter 2, 4, and 5 says this, But now the Lord says, Be strong, Zebulah. 
Be strong, Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people. Still your heavenly armies. My spirit remains among you, just as I promised you, came in out of Egypt. Do not be afraid. Now, there's three exhortations here. Verse 4 says, to the governor, the high priest, and people at large, be strong, be strong, and be strong. Do not give up. Set your heart on being strong. Now, get to work and do not be afraid. That's easy to say. It's so easy to say, but we can just make ourselves strong and unafraid. I don't know about you, but there are so many times I give myself the pep talk. Be a, don't be afraid, Michael. Be strong. Be strong. And in my heart, I don't always believe it. But what I'm normally doing is I'm looking upon myself for that strength and not the strength of the Holy Spirit. And, and when I look upon the Holy Spirit's strength, I'm confidently being able to say, be strong and do not fear. Haggai chapter 2 verse 9 says this, the future glory of his temple will be greater than his past glory. Sorry, I just lost my place. <laughs> All right. All right, God, so the future of the glory of the temple will be greater than the past glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And the, in this place, I will bring peace. God says, I'm going to do great things through this temple beyond what you can imagine. This house will be filled with glory again, even greater than before. They didn't know they were building the temple where the Messiah would appear. At this temple, baby Jesus would be declared to God. At this temple, the baby Jesus sat in dialogue with religious leaders. At this temple, he taught the masses about the kingdom of God. At this temple, Jesus healed many blind and lame people. This is a temple where Jesus cleansed out the money changers. When we serve God, even in the smallest way, you're part of something far greater than you can ever realize. God will use those kids in your, your children's church program, in your Sunday school classes. <clears throat> God will use the future pastors, the future missionaries, the future leaders, our future worship leaders as well. God will use your, your teams, the ushers and the parking lot team, greeters, well, I never thought I'd say that before, the coffee teams, don't we miss our coffee? We, we, he will use those people who serve in those areas. You who are better prepared to hear the good news of Jesus for the first time. God will use your efforts to lead people to Jesus. He will use your efforts at work to show a smiling face and a kind heart, to bring people to a relationship with Him. Who will have this eternal change? You are building more than you know when you are serving Jesus Christ. You will serve greatly and God will bless you. If you are a parent, you know what you can't always just say at once and expect your children to suddenly change. In the same way, God spoke through Haggai again about 10 weeks later. It's now late December, and he reminded them, encouraged them, warned them in order to succeed. Don't be clueless. We each need to be willing to elevate our, evaluate our lives and look at our lives honestly. There are a lot of helpful things we can evaluate that leads to success with God. But most important, you are in step with God's purpose in your life. Five times Haggai called the people to reflection. Twice in chapter 1 and three times in chapter in verses 15 through 19. 
Haggai says in chapter 2, verse 15 and 16, Look with the Lord happening to you before you began to lay the foundations of the Lord's temple. When you hope for 20 bushel crop, your harvest only 10. When you expected to draw 50 gallons from the wine press, you only found 20. Look at what happened. Give care through thought to this. Let's do some evaluation. How were you doing economically before we started? Why hadn't you seen a blessing? Why did you never have enough? He wanted them to develop the habit and careful evaluation. The point not just to evaluate your life, but to think about life in terms of your relationship with God. When things aren't going the way you think they should, ask why. There are a lot of possible reasons. There are many natural consequences. There are actions and choices. Sometimes it's just things that don't go well in the world. Sometimes because people exploit, take advantage of other people. But it's also worth asking, what can I learn about myself and learn about God? Is God trying to get my attention about something amiss in my life? Don't be clueless what God might be trying to teach you at this moment in our lives of our country. The people listen to God and everything begin to change. Haggai chapter 2, 18 and 19. Think about this 18th day of December, the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. <clears throat> Think carefully. I'm giving you a promise now while the seed is still in the barn. You have not harvested your grain you have not, or your grapevine. Figs, trees, pomegranates, and olive trees have not yet produced their crops. But from this day forward, I will bless you. In that climate, plant in fall. Seeds had recently gone into the, crop, into the ground. There was no harvest yet. <clears throat> it was too early for the crops. Now God is promising them a great harvest. This would be a remarkable year. From this day forward, God says, you will see my blessing restored upon you. Because you listen to me. You put your lives in step with my priority. My friends, I want you to understand the most responsible thing you can do today and here and forthright out is walk with God. Walk in His steps. So here's a few takeaway points. Learn to prioritize God first. Decide to invest in what God, what matters to God. If your relationship with God isn't what you hoped it would be, prioritize. If you're feeling spiritually frustrated, maybe you aren't prioritizing God like you should. Maybe there are issues in your life that have a spiritual cause that you don't even realize. And maybe, like Israel, it's time to get work doing the work of the Lord. Today is the day that you can begin anew with a relationship with our Heavenly Father, of serving Him, of, of, of serving His people. It's a great day to serve others. It's an opportunity to see God work in our life in a new way. It's an opportunity to impact people for eternity. <clears throat> the people that are furloughed, the people that are employed, the people that do not know where their next food is going to come from. History tells us that people of Israel finished that temple. It's the temple we read about 150 times in the New Testament. As I said, the temple was a key part of Jesus' story. The people responded to God's call of action, and they got to work.
They succeeded, and God blessed them. I'm going to pray, and Pastor Steve and the worship team is going to come, and they're going to lead us into a few more songs. God has given you every reason, every resource to be successful in your relationship with Him and your relationship with your, your, uh, with your co-workers and your family. I believe the Lord has shown us that we can meet together as brothers and sisters in Christ, that we can encourage each other without a building, without coming together in a, a place with a roof of our heads, that we can worship God without those things that we are so traditionally used to. I I believe the Lord has shown us that He wants each one of you and you and you, you, you and you, to be successful in God, to have that relationship with Him. That's first and foremost in your life. That's what God has called us to do. And then, serve others. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just I thank you, God, for the day. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity we can come and, and, and worship. We can hear your word, Lord. From Haggai, a, a man, a minor prophet from 3,000 years ago, God. I thank you, Lord, that his words impacted them and impacts us today. Lord, let me measure success, not by what the world says success is, but what you say success is, God. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We serve an amazing God. Let's sing together this morning. Jesus, wonderful. 